0: I had a very, very impactful experience where I was in a position where I was killing it at work. And I was really conforming to the behavioral dress code and attitudes of the company to the point that my kids would be like, they could identify when I was going to work versus not going to work by the way that I walked and talked, loco, loco. So I decided in my forties that I was no longer going to spend my energy being someone that the company wanted me to be. That if I delivered sufficient revenue and goals that I could be my authentic self. And I got probably the worst um, review that I ever got in my entire career for things that were difficult to pin down.
1: gente, dímelo, 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 what is up? Welcome to another episode of the Quintú Eres podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know, It's your boy, Pavel, bringing you another special episode with another very special guest. Speaking of a guest. The clip that you heard in the intro is with this week's guest, Ana Chepi. Now, Ana is an OG in the advertising and marketing space. You'll hear in this episode that she has over 20 years of experience in the game. That said, she has seen and experienced a lot as an employee, an individual contributor, an executive, and a Latina. You'll hear all about her journey and what it was like to be her authentic self. When she first entered the industry versus where she is now she'll also speak candidly about some pivotal moments throughout her career that really impacted the way that she thinks about being a leader these days before we get into that dope conversation let me give you a quick little bio on anna So Anna's career has always been deliberately diverse and multidisciplinary. She's been a journalist. She's worked on the agency side. She's been a client VP. She's worked in media, PR, all while many times working in two languages, English and Spanish. Her goal was always to become a senior global marketer. She has done just that with various senior level roles at Univision, NBC Universal, American Express. And these days, she's a senior advisor at Edelman. Anna's reputation among the C-suite, including CMOs and CCOs, is that she has a track record of generating purposeful profits. She's also been described as a trailblazer. Now that you know a little bit more about our guest, let's get into the episode. Authenticity is such a buzzword. Everyone's saying it. It's in everyone's company, corporate values, but what does it mean to you? What do you think about when you hear that word?
0: So I've been fortunate enough that I've been in corporate America for 25 years. And the definition of that word has really changed in 25 years. So originally being authentic at work was being a female at work, which we take for granted, but it was quite challenging to be a female at work. And through the years, it's meant being able to not suppress all the pieces that create um, the individual um, and bring them forward to have um, better experiences at work, better experiences at home, um, and creating a, a full ecosystem that is honest and mindful of everyone in your, in your environment. So. Being authentic at work is being able to wear uh, what I want to wear, um, to to speak with an accent, to uh, share when I am vulnerable and not vulnerable, to um, call out when there is a business opportunity that no one's seen. So it is multifaceted. And I um, want to make sure that as we show up authentically that there is integrity attached to that because sometimes being your full authentic self has casualties and if you weave in the integrity with the authenticity you end up having a really good uh, valuable experience
1: yeah no and that's it's interesting how you even dissect part of your authenticity and even it sounds like you started to bring some of those parts out sooner than others? Like, I think the first thing you mentioned was at first, it was really hard just to be a a woman in business. Tell me about that. Like what made it so difficult for you?
0: So um, women in corporate America were great as long as you um, ramped off when you got married and had kids, because then your priorities were conflicting with the business agenda. And so showing up at work as a mom, was an anomaly my my best story to this is i went on mat leave and um i had a big i was a vp i had a big office i had a big team i was on a huge um trajectory and i was out for three unpaid months of maternity leave so i'm dating myself everyone's going to be like wait what maternity leave was not paid if it was not paid so I left for three months of maternity leave without pay. And when I came back, my big, beautiful office had been given to someone else. Um, And I had returned into a cube that sat across from the bathroom. Now, it bothered me, but it bothered every female in that organization. Because the leadership didn't think I was going to come back at all. They never anticipated, like I'm one of those first women who could balance or integrate or sacrifice whichever day of the week we're talking about um, family for work. So that's what I mean by we've come a very long way to be able to be at the seat where we're at. Needless to say, it took a year for me to get back into my office in the size that it was. And I made it uh, a statement and all the women in the organization made it a statement that we were coming back from that leave and so that transpired into becoming the welcome wagon for any women that went on a mat leaf and came back like i was steadfast in having a re-entry strategy um making sure that there was integrity and in how that happened um, had conversations with leadership and hr um and it, it literally cost me maybe two, three years of a promotion, but I was like, I don't care. Like we need more women who are parents in the workforce. So that's that's uh, an inflection point when I think about it. It really gives me pause because there's so many things that we take for granted and we want more of. And so that's my point about being authentically yourself with integrity. Like I was humbled by it, but then I'm like, I'm going to action this shit.
1: <laughs> that is fascinating you, you know it's so crazy is that there's so many things to discuss even just about being a mom like there is for example like i had a woman who was working um, in tech and media advertising she was on the sales side and you know part of the part of sales is like building relationship with your clients and at the time she was a mom she hid the fact that she was a mom for years because she didn't want her clients to think that she wasn't quote unquote cool enough to like go out to a dinner or like she didn't want to miss out on, on on being invited to certain things so um it's one thing to you know work while you're pregnant come back after pregnancy come back after having a child but then it's like the even even just simple conversations around being comfortable and confident enough to speak about those things openly without having the fear that you're not going to be given an opportunity because they think that you have like, you know, you have the same responsibilities as the dad, but for whatever reason, there there are certain like things in place. Um, I'm curious for you, like, you know, there was this talk of women in the office seeing you come back, like, were there just like gasps in the room as you were walking down the hallways? Like, what was that like?
0: It was, it was crazy. They were like, first of all, the women were all like, my assistant at the time was um, very aware that I was coming back. And she was like, don't come because they're not ready for you. And I'm like, listen, I'm coming. They're not ready.
1: What does that mean? <laughs> well,
0: you know, um, I'm, I'm a little bit of, you know, I I, I know that in my, in my journey, I'm the first of many, right? Mm-hmm. And so she's like, they're not ready for you. And I'm like, well, You know, we'll make them ready. And so she had like given the word to all the other assistant and all the other young people in the room that I was coming. And so everyone it was so it's so beautiful but at the same time they were all so stressed about it they were all stressed that my office was not mine like they you know the life kept going on and they were like seeing the actions in real time and they were like they were not supportive of those actions but had no power to do anything about it right and so um I came in and I was like Hmm, this is really interesting what happened to my office and of course like no one would tell me what happened to my office and I'm like oh that's great where am I sitting and then they told me where and I was like oh great thank you and then I called my husband and I said I've been demoted in square footage and he's like sweetie I just want you to resign and you're not going to so you just action put a plan do what you're going to do and make a difference and so sure enough like The women kept every day they kept coming before they went home they would be like are you going home yet and i'm like no i have like 10 more minutes and then we decided we're all going to leave together like we made it a thing right we made it an action plan i'm like okay today i need to leave at five can we all leave together and take our computers and they would be like sure (laughs) like the entire floor so again If you look at the problem from a broader vantage point than just you, and you want to make sure that, you know, I talk a lot about trailblazing with following right? I'm not just opening a door for me. I'm opening the door for me and for a whole bunch of people behind me. You know, fast forward with my child, I had, he had significant health issues year two and three of his life. And, you know, I decided, okay, so I might not come back at any given point. Like he would go into the hospital and I would need to disappear. And so by that time I had an executive rotation. So the person who was managing me was, what I call not a manager, but a real leader. And so I told him, I said, listen, I have these life events that happen. They're unpredictable. I am connected to work. I am a workaholic this is a value, values that in my experience have always been important. So I might step off premise, but I promise you that nothing's going to fall through the crack. And I was leading a big international team. Um, Nothing's going to fall through the cracks and I will come back with more. And so he said, okay, we'll try it out for size. You know, he's a parent, had two kids and was much more connected to his home life than a lot of other leaders at the time. And so whenever I would exit, I would tell the team, I have to go and they were like okay and so I would exit knowing that everyone had like every day I would anticipate if something goes bump in the night here's what you need to do so I empowered everybody to show up in their best self even before challenges would put be put forward on my life right so every so from that lots of uh, lots of learning you know you empower your team to success you coach them along the way you make sure that they have reciprocal invested time with you. Right. So I would be like, I can't be here now. And that opened the door to anyone who would say, I can't be here tomorrow because it's my mom's birthday, or I can't be here because of whatever, like I opened that discussion transparently and everyone, like my team, was before I had that team. They were always challenged with retention and engagement. It was a hard piece of business. And everybody's like, I want to work with her. I was like, this is crazy. But it set me up to say, I can step out of whatever it is that I'm doing and everyone will shine, even if I'm not there. And that's the way that I want to lead. And from there forward, like I learned very valuable lessons. No one's indispensable and everyone can grow your agenda, even if you're not in the room.
1: I love that. Uh, I love the leader that you've that you've become. I think it's something that everyone can learn from, but I'm sure it wasn't always like that. (laughs) Um, In fact, you mentioned before that something along the lines of like you used to hide certain parts of who you were before you came into who you were now. Like, tell me a little bit about that. Maybe even when you first started your career Um, what were some of the things you felt the need to hide about yourself?
0: Yeah, so being authentically Latina and in New York and being Puerto Rican was an authenticity tack. It was not good. I think in some circles, it's still not. It's still a tack. And so I came through my career as an international girl. Like no one knew where I was from on purpose. Not even this leader that I'm mentioning, Steve, who was a phenomenal leader to me. He just assumed by my last name that I was Italian. And the conversation <sighs> of being Latino was not a conversation. Having said that, you know, everyone underneath knew, right? The service staff, I, I I, love talking about this part. Like I, my mom would call me late at night and I would be at my desk. And, you know, your mom calls you and you're Latino. You're not not taking that call. It doesn't matter what it is. And you're not speaking in English to them <laughs> because you're going to get killed by your mom. <laughs> so I would call she would call me she's like nana and I'm like mami bendición so the Nena first, bendición yeah <laughs> okay so so I would be like she would start talking and I would be like over here going like who's listening like who who is in the who is in the hallway who can discover me and almost always those people were the support staff the you know the the secretaries and the assistants and the you know, the people who are much lower, they all knew, like they would walk in and they're like, close the door. Like they would, they would give me my own Latina space, which is phenomenal. But once I, once I turned from being in the agency world and moved to the client side, I was fortunate enough to go to a client that had an employee network group. And for the first time, I saw an organized principle of people who looked like me, sounded like me, had similar life experiences. And I remember telling a good friend of mine, it's like, oh my God, at this company, they have this group of people. They're all like me. And and he's like, he's also Puerto Rican. He also grew up like me. He's like, do not go there. And I'm like, wait, (laughs) what? He's like, don't go there. You don't want anyone to know that you're Latino. It's going to... Hamper your growth. And I was like, what are you talking about? This is like the best thing ever. I found a, I found a clan. Like I found a group of people that are like me and sound like me. And I don't have to be, you know, mindful of when someone says, where are you from? Like say, where do you think I'm from? Which was my defense mechanism to be able to not answer on Puerto Rican. Because if I answered on Puerto Rican, you get 15 conversations on, no, where are you really from? Where are your parents from? And I was like, okay, I'm not not, that's not a good part of me. Like what comes out with that is not the best. And so for a year that I was in that corporate job, I like watched the Latino group, you know, do events and be um, from afar, very, very social from afar. And then I was like, I think that I can do this. But if we make it a business unit. Like if we if we add value, not just subtract value from the organization, but add value to the organization. And so at that point in time, I was like, listen, my name is Ana Tepe, I'm from Puerto Rico, I'm a business strategist, and I think we're doing great with having cafecito, but can we get a big seat at the table? Can we build a business case? Can we demonstrate the value? of the consumer, can we elevate the agenda for all? And they were all looking at me like, we're having so much fun with just our cafecito. And I'm like, okay, that's good. So we're gonna do cafecito, but we're gonna get our seat at the table. And so sure enough, out of that, ploying the ERG into a business acumen building piece, got a better seat at the table for all of us and redefine what the ERG was meant to be but I gotta tell you like my friends was like don't identify it's gonna curtail and I was like okay second time I identify as a mom everybody knows it yeah. I identify as a mom with a child with needs everybody knows that I'm identifying as a Latina like but I but no one was coming out of that closet right everybody was in the closet yeah. together
1: Yeah, no, that that's real. Those are like I've heard those stories often, and you know, there's a infamous CMO for like a really big conglomerate brand. I'm not gonna say his name because I mentioned him so many times, but. For, for a long time, he he hid the fact that he was Mexican because he has this last name who is like, it's it, it doesn't sound like a traditional Hispanic Latino name, right, so, you know, he was fearful that, you know, for some of the negative perceptions that would come his way, right? So I think many people do that. Um, in fact, I don't even think some of that assimilation or that like fear starts when we enter corporate. I think a lot of that fear even starts with our families, like I remember, my family telling me to, like my grandfather, for example, he would tell me, like, "Do you see presidents or CEOs with, with tattoos or earrings or or, or facial hair?" He was like, "No." So you know, act accordingly, right? And then when I went to high school, um, my high school even had certain policies where you couldn't have facial hair below your earlobe, um, you couldn't have uh, traditional black hairstyles like afros and braids and and dreads and all these things, right? And I've always wondered why, but then all of that training prepared me to, when I get to corporate to mm-hmm. quote unquote, look professional, right? I'm wondering for you, like we we always talk about corporate, but did those early lessons of like, maybe hiding certain parts of yourself or trying to fit in, did that that start at home for you as well?
0: Not really, because the women in my home were such trailblazers and, and we all hid mm. under a uniform, right? So we're like, it was equal. Mm. Everybody had the same uniform. Everybody's like, you dress so preppy. And I'm like, yes, it's my uniform. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I move my hands, you know that I'm not in uniform. When I bring my voice, you know I'm not in uniform. But like the, those parts for me are equitable. Having said that on the opposite side, maybe 10 years ago, my middle child who is trans had a graduation and the memo came out and said, girls need to wear this and boys need to wear that. And I'm like, excuse me, I, I'm gonna have an issue with you. <laughs> And I went to the principal, <laughs> yeah. and everybody was like, everybody was like, Ana, con calma. And I'm like, no, like, why? Like the, the dress code should be X, like festive, uh, according to, like, don't tell me what I need to wear. Like, don't, yeah. like, I'm gonna show, like, two tickets. I'm like, I'm sorry, I have three kids. Which kid am I leaving behind? Like, can we have that conversation can we be respectful of what the bar is establish a bar that's attainable for everyone don't establish a bar that only fits the two people in the room those pieces have always always irked me you know it's like you you are the senior leader you need to talk first and by the time that you junior person i'm like no why are we doing that she might be ready to talk and i might be an introvert like it's just like hello she might be an extrovert and totally ready and i might not be so those norms sometimes really are useless useless
1: yeah no i agree there's so many norms when it comes to professionalism that that drive me crazy but it's interesting like now you're at a point where you're obviously standing up for yourself and even oh, like a i always a team. stood up
0: i always stood up for myself and i always stood up for others and And candidly, I think that was a huge tax in my career. And I take a huge pride in the fact that there are many people who know that. And there are many people who come to me and say, I'm in this juncture point, what should I do? And so my mission is to make sure that all the beautiful experiences that I had, that reinvented me, which were filled with booby traps that everyone else that is behind me has transparency to know what those booby traps that are unspoken and unidentified now, right? Most people that get very close to me, they're like, Ana, me paso esto. And I'm like, okay, let's pull it apart. Let's figure out the lesson. Because here's the thing, like the institutional pieces are walls that will always be there or at least I think they will always be there. The question is what do you do with that wall? Do you make it a mural? Do you make it beautiful? And then do you say for everybody else here's the things in this mural that you need to be aware of so you can accelerate and not decelerate. I don't think anyone wakes up I don't think any Latino wakes up wanting to be suppressed or reconfigured or assimilated or reduced to be able to succeed. We just need to codify it, make sure that everyone sees the beauty in it, the learning in it, and then put it there. Remember, that's a wall. Like I just need to throw my hat over it or around it or bring more people to secure it. So that strategically influencing piece, what is the piece that you need to listen for? What is the piece that you need to manage to? Who do you invest your time in terms of advocacy versus detractors, right? So as Latinos, we tend to try to convince our detractors to become our advocates. Olvídate, don't do it. Like that's a wall. (laughs) <laughs> Pinta la moneda, do all the beautiful things to that wall and say, okay, it's there. Like it's, that's institutional. Uh, great. Thank you for that. We're going to create our own map. And that's where I think I'm of most value. Don't get me wrong. Like I bring tons of value to the industry, tons of value to the organizations that I'm in, tons of money, but the purpose piece of identifying a wall, painting it as a beautiful mural and making sure everybody knows it's there. So they don't stumble on it again, is what i take most pride in
1: doing tell me more about that tax though like in what way do you think it hurt your career before we get into that let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor covid19 moves fast and now you can too if you feel symptoms even if they're mild you should test fast test positive and at high risk for severe covid19 then act fast with authorized oral treatments that can be taken at home and must be taken within five days from when symptoms begin COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too, by asking your healthcare provider if an oral treatment is right for you. Learn about a treatment option at treatcv19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer.
0: Oh, my God. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I, I that's like a long list. It talks in terms of advancement. It talks in terms of recognition. There's so many things that I authored that anyone else can take credit for because I am that way. I'm not into like claiming it before it's actually done. I wait until it's successful. And then I'm like, you see the team did that. I should be doing like, I did the strategy, everybody else implemented, but that's not the way that I lead. So many, like I should be a CEO. I should be a CMO. I have enough bandwidth, but everybody knows I'm a truth teller. So it's hard to be it's hard to be a CEO and a C CMO if you're going to talk about the blind spots, if you're going to identify the walls and paint them and say they're there, need to maneuver this other way. So almost always if you're a trailblazer, you're almost always hampered by that position.
1: Tell me about one of those walls that you decided to paint or something that you decided to tell the truth about
0: maybe five years ago i was brought in by someone of significant power into an industry meeting and in that industry meeting they were all talking about you know the problem with recognizing the value of doing advertising and marketing for people like me and advertising and marketing for people like you and advertising and marketing for lgbtq and all these other segments it's like We just don't see the value and it costs us so much to do. And I'm like, let's put a value on it. And everybody's like, what do you mean? I'm like, we test everything else. Let's put a value to culture. Let's figure out is an ad in Espanol going to hit my heart versus an ad in English going to hit my heart? Like, which one is more valuable? And let's just spin it all the way around. And so, sure enough, with um, significant support from the industry, Someone had already done see her. So I'm like, gender is solved. But the rest of us are like lost in the conversation. And so, just bringing the industry together to make that happen. So, we can see that an ad in Spanish hits my head, my heart, and my wallet, versus an ad in English with the casting that kind of resembles my experience, like that hits my head, but not my heart and my wallet, and identifying what that is. And so, the wall was that people thought that culture and being in endemic media and with appropriate representation was a cost center versus it being a value opportunity, an incremental value opportunity. And so by identifying the wall, putting it all colors, understanding what creative output was and what that output was doing for everyone, right? So not just for Latinos and people with disabilities and LGBTQ, but for non-Hispanic whites too. Like, do they like this ad? Do they not? Do they feel when they're looking at the set and, and identifying. And so now it's best practices. Now everybody's like, that wall is there. If you want to amplify, you need to lean into LGBTQ for LGBTQ audiences, Hispanic for Hispanic audiences. And that's a beautiful thing. That only happened four years ago. I know we're all celebrating it, but that just happened.
1: Yeah. and. I'm sure at some point, a lot of people don't want to have those difficult conversations or even educate those powerful people in the room. Right. So I'm assuming that like it's it's essentially telling them that they are in some ways wrong and this is a better way to do things like that's an awkward conversation for people to have. And, and I think many people stray away from that.
0: Yeah, so I think, listen, in my experience, and it could be that it's my experience, right? But in my lived experience, leaders are always wanting to learn. This notion that the CEO and the CMO is less willing to optimize and less willing to learn is a misnomer. The people who are doing business as usual, who are emotionally exhausted and time strapped and have no bandwidth and just wanna get the work done, which are the people who will have positional power. So most in this equation, brand managers, are the ones that are, I just need to survive 12, 13 more months of doing business as usual. They have people who are at the table who are just agreeing to do business as usual and not challenging it. So to me, there's more action that can be achieved by having executive leaders who are tasked their task is to reinvent the game to make sure that the game is optimized the people of the brand who have the money and have the decision-making power they're just there's so much happening that they just need smart people to come at the table and say you have a blind spot and this is what it is and they will be like oh if it's a blind spot i need to fix it they need to optimize so we put all this stress on the C-level suite. To me, the messy middle is the clog in the system that doesn't get you know, d- difficult agendas or challenging agendas through because there's... I mean, again, I was a brand manager. I was exhausted most of the time. I wanted to make sure that I slept at some point. But the power is not saying, this is not in my remit. There is a innovation team that can look at it for me. And if every brand manager did that, tons of conversations would be solved, right? In an interesting way. But, you know, in my experience, the C-level suite is like, no one, like, I remember having this conversation with Mark Pritchard and he looked at me, he's like, no one told me that. And I'm like, I understand. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> I'm here to tell you. And he's like, what do we do about it? And they're like so eager to be able to solve that problem because again, they have the bandwidth to
1: solve those problems. I'm, I'm interested too, like as, as you've gone up in your career, I asked most executives this question. It's like you bringing your, you bringing your authentic self to work earlier in your career versus now presents a different challenge, right? Like in all organizations, the leaders are like. We all represent, you all represent the company, but at some level, like it's really the executives that are like the face of the company, right? So someone that is outspoken or bringing themselves to work or just being their authentic self, I think it comes with a different level of pressure because there are more eyeballs on you, right? In some ways, I would feel maybe more pressure to assimilate because there's more to lose. The more that you go up, right? How do you how do you think about bringing your authentic self? The more that you rise within an organization or just your career.
0: I think that for me, the burden is heavier, right? My mom would tell me as I would walk out the door, it's like cuidado que estás representando a 50 millones de personas, and I would be like, Ma, I get that I'm representing 50 million people, but do you need to put that burden on me? But since I was like an assistant account executive, so she's like, people are watching you. You're setting the tone. You need to be mindful that you are one that is getting inferred. You need to be mindful that you are the filter of everybody else. As you go upstream, that's even harder. I have chosen, something happens to most women that I help, consult, partner, conspire with. When they turn 40, after they've had their kids and they've done all the things that they wanted to do at home, they suddenly realize that not being their authentic self is just costing them so much. And after COVID, like seriously, like, can I not like you're in my room, you're in my room. You're in my house. So people women, particularly when they get to forty, they're like, "I ah, have nothing to lose." I have my kids, they love me. That's my real audience. Everybody else is like has to come along for the ride or I need to like be able to walk in or walk out. and And that happens, right? I had a very, very impactful experience where I was in a position where I was killing it at work. And I was really conforming to the behavioral dress code and attitudes of the company to the point that my kids would be like, they could identify when I was going to work versus not going to work. By the way that I walked and talked, loco, loco. So I decided in my 40s, That I was no longer going to spend my energy being someone that the company wanted me to be. That if I delivered sufficient revenue and goals, that I could be my authentic self. And I got probably the worst um, review that I ever got in my entire career for things that were difficult to pin down, right? The way that you speak, the way that you um, take control of the and and it was all it it was all the same. The same. It's just that I started wearing more makeup and I started bringing more color and I was just you know more forthcoming about where I was and it was exhausting. And so I I told my manager at the time mindful I said manager not leader I told my manager I'm like I'm gonna conform for a year we'll have this conversation and you're gonna give me a better review and a better bonus which by the way I mean and then I'm gonna exit and she was like okay sure she didn't think that it was that superficial what we were talking about and so solve for that again my kids could tell that I was going to work and who like the game was like who are you gonna meet with today like Oh, mom's meeting with financial services people. Oh, mom it's like, you know, it was like casting call. <laughs> She's dressed up to see doctors today. She's dressed up to see, you know, creative people today. Like they could pin it. It's hysterical. <laughs> like I was, I was an actress. I was an actress in my own body. And then of course the year came through and I had like a phenomenal review, got tons of in- incremental revenue from it. Um, my business suffered, like my business goals were less, but my social goals, were much more conforming to the organization. And after they gave me my bonus, I quit because I was like, I can't do that for many more years. It's exhausting. So in that lesson, I realized that you either appreciate the full self understanding that you modulate or it's just not there's not going to be any value it just it's exhausting for me to not be me it's exhausting for me to be playing a character in a movie when i'm not an actress it's not my that's not my job i proved that i could be one but it's not my job so i encourage everyone to just be your authentic self the question is to what degree and i know this highly highly debatable. But there are many times I come in hot and I'm like, that's the Latina hot that's coming in. And I really shouldn't be doing that. I should be like, hold on a minute. Let's organize ourselves and move forward. Right. Um, I tell my team, there are times when we just need to let go of stuff. Like pick your battles, or so all these sayings that our ancestors tell us that we pay no attention to, and then you get to be forty and fifty, and you're like, oh my god, that was so right. So your authentic self, like you're your authentic self all the time. The question is to what degree you're your authentic self at home? If you're having an argument with your kids, like the question is to what degree do you go local <laughs> and you pull I'm, out the I'm chancla? Wondering. You pull out the chancla and you go insane right? So
1: I'm wondering how much impact your kids had on you, like bringing your authenticity to the light, right? Because in some way, your kids are literally pointing out to you, mom, today you're acting, right? And I'm, this is me assuming, but I'm assuming at one point, you're like, damn, am I teaching my kids to act when they leave the house? Like, did you have that realization at one point?
0: That's exactly right. And, and one, one of my kids put it, beautifully he's like mom this person you are over there I don't like and I was like got it I got it and then he said there's a, probably a lot of people over there who don't like it either and if they don't like <laughs> you the way that and and, this, and he said and if they don't like you the way that you are which by the way you're awesome he was seven years old when he told me you're awesome then that means that I can I need to be different and I was like no mi amor you don't have to be different. You are gonna be your full self everywhere. And let's let's correct that ship. And sure enough. So it was a very valuable lesson that i to your point did not learn in corporate i learned at home and in my kids again i have a child that's on the spectrum i have an lgbtq trans child and i have a perfectly grooving boy and they define my way forward
1: that make you feel at the time like you know here's this here's your 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 7 year old telling you this like how did that make you feel
0: i mean i still i still like tell them that I'm a truth teller, but he, he's got me beat on that, right? He, he called it. And again, you know, there are pieces that we do because we need to do, you know, there are sacrifices we make because we need to make, but when the world is pivoting. So now I feel like the world has pivoted to us. We, as a community, we are a community based, we are about the success of all, we are mission centric, we are about the right thing. And the world has finally caught up to us. If I think about it, our current environment, like I left that corporate job that really could not allow me to be me. And that corporate place has changed. Like, the people who are there now, like, are so groovy. And I'm like, if I would have been there now, like, I would have not had to uh, do all that maneuvering, right? But we are at a place where authenticity is a bonus, is no longer a tax. And if it is a tax, we just need to listen to what that wall is. We need to go back and say, why is there noise for that wall? recognize it acknowledge it paint it your color and move on so the world has come to us Um, it's our turn to lead it's our turn to have the elasticity to be the full human the grace to be full of potential you know I'm I think last time we talked about I'm so excited for the introverts in the room because they've been modulating to extroverts and having to commute and conform like I can't wait until those introverts really show their full color because they've been looked at as less than versus more than. And so there's so many beautiful things that are happening now. It's, it's just, I'm excited that I've been in this journey and that now that I'm an adult, right? I'm a tenured person that I can be everything.
1: Yeah, I love that. And for me, it's, it's interesting you mentioned, you know, turning 40, just like so many women at some point, they probably realize like, oh, wow, like I'm an actor, I need to change or I need to like be more of myself. I think everyone at what at some age, you know, early in their years, they assimilate, they get into a certain job, etc., And they get to a certain point in their life when they're like, oh, you know what, I'm done with this, right? Like what I want to do with this podcast is really create the representation for someone to realize. That they don't need to assimilate or coach which anymore, they could be themselves. But what I want to do is really shorten that gap. Like maybe not everyone in the world needs to realize that at 40. Maybe someone will hear this in their 20s and say, whoa, like if I can cut that gap 10, 20 years, like mission accomplished for me, right?
0: And for but I know me, that we're all and if and for me, know. I'm gonna build on that. And for me, if we could not all go do an, our own side hustle and just stay in corporate. We will make a bigger impact like i appreciate that you know it's filled with modulation but we need to stay in corporate everybody can't go do their side hustle because then the power people who are putting those walls up will not be able to hammer it down so again i spend a lot of time with people who are in corporate who are on the teetering of like i can make so much more impact and i'm like no, no Siéntate, quédate en esa silla, like stay on that seat. That seat has foundation money, that seat has power money, that seat has so much more scale. Like I appreciate that it's a harder journey But, I, you know, we can't have six CEOs that are Latinos that are in the Latino closet. We can't. We have to have a whole bunch of us who are whatever we identify as, whatever the label we're owning, can go and own that label beautifully in corporate. Otherwise, there's no scale
1: there. that wraps up this week's episode of the Quintuera's podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor, leave us a rating and a review. It just helps us in the algorithm to ensure that these stories get heard by as many people as possible. Scaling these stories and experiences is the only way that we're going to redefine professionalism. Thank you and see you next week.